So imagine you're sitting in the pews of a church, or maybe you're at some banquet hall, or maybe you're sitting outside. Uh, If you're in Cleveland, it has to be sometime between probably uh, late May and early August, or else you're going to be covered in snow. But regardless of of where you might be at, the, the setting is that there's a wedding going on. And the groom is standing up by the altar or wherever the, the pastor or presiding individual is. And the bride is making her way down the aisle. And as she's making her way down the aisle, people are taking pictures. They're excited. Uh, there's this sort of happiness in the air. But someone turns to another person and says, You know, only about 50% of these marriages last anyway. I wonder which category they'll fall into. To which maybe that other person who heard the comment turns and says, you don't know what you're talking about. Marriages are amazing opportunities for fairy tale like romances. And we know that because there's people who have lived them. So don't be such a you know Debbie Downer <laughs> or something like that. Well, I'm sure you've probably heard one side or the other on this argument about marriage. And today on The Writer's Lens, I'm digging into one of the oldest institutions that has ever existed in humankind, the concept of marriage. What is the story that we tell about marriage in today's culture, today's society? That's something I'm going to be talking about and unpacking a bit today. It could be a really big episode. I have no idea where this is going to go yet. So just hang with me. I'm Josh J.C. Alfelto. These are the Narrative Wars, and today we're talking about marriage. So my wife and I are coming up on our sixth wedding anniversary this September, and it's woohoo! You know, it's it's exciting. You know, we're not quite to the the double digits yet, but uh, I have been just again. I'm always ruminating on something with this podcast, but uh, been talking a lot about marriage lately with friends, with family. Uh, you know, not because our anniversary is coming up or anything, but just it seems to be something that a lot of people talk about. And also recently, I was listening to some podcasts about the statistics on marriage, and a friend of mine shared with me something that just kind of blew my mind and in many ways blew open this whole uh, situation for me about the, the the perception of marriage, especially in America. Because I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've probably heard the common theme or common narrative around marriage that there there's a good chance that one in two will end in divorce. So 50% of marriages just don't make it, you know, that they're Two years after 20 years, something happens, uh, the couples lose interest with each other or something may occur and they leave one another and divorce is rather imminent. And yet people are still getting married, right? You know, this is kind of a strange, cruel punishment that people are putting themselves through. It's like, why get married if you only have a 50% chance of success? Especially when it's something that's such a big, big commitment. Why would anyone do that? Now, on the flip side of that, we have tons of stories and, and films and books about romance and about you know seeking the one who's meant for you and uh, all this kind of stuff around that that most of it honestly is pretty toxic <laughs> but uh, just because we have a lot of the wrong ideas about what marriage is supposed to look like but regardless of all that there's these two narratives out there about marriage you know like uh, the, the idea of you know, guess what? You're you're doomed to be a failure half the time if you're going to engage in marriage. And the other half is saying that, uh, or the other narrative is saying, hey, you know, it's a, it's a real life fairy tale if you can make it happen. You know, just just go for it. Uh, the caution to the wind, all that kind of stuff. 
And I, I wanted to talk about marriage in general and the story that we're telling in our culture as it pertains to marriage, because marriage is such a, it, it's such a huge, huge thing. It affects everybody. Okay. I mean, you, you know, you wear wedding bands. I mean, you, you, you fill it out on your insurance, uh, on your homeowners, you know, uh, you know, certificates. I mean, you, on car loans, you may say you're my spouse or my spouse or, uh, may have, you know, uh, co-signing or whatever it may be. <laughs> There's so much to do with marriage and so much that's involved with it that the story around marriage to me is, is, is fascinating because at the cornerstone of any society, you find marriage, you find the idea of a man and woman, um, wedded together for the purpose of not only pro- procreating, and making more children for the society that they live in, but also sort of this intimate journey that both of them are supposed to go on. But also, this idea of divorce being also rampant, and the fact that uh, people fall out of love with each other. I mean, I'm not naive to that. I wish it were not the case. I wish that people, if they got married, they could stay together. It's not always the case. Uh, but, But talking about that a little bit, and how that is a big myth about how the whole one and two marriages end in divorce. Because as I was saying, I was you know in, in conversation with some friends of mine lately and just blowing my mind on statistics, especially, you know, specifically here in the West. You know, I, and I, I had to go back and do my own research because I, I try not to just take people at face value, even though they are very credible sources. Hey, Josh, you never believe this. You know, 72% of marriages are still together. You know, it's not this 50% ratio. And I went, oh, okay, where'd you get that? U.S. Census Bureau. Okay, that's great. Let me go find some more some more uh, articles that might be talking about it. And not that I completely trust these sources <laughs> because they're from the Insider and from the New York Times. Uh, but both of them, as recent as 2014, were talking about marriage and how that there's this myth of divorce being on the rise. It's actually been on the decline for years, and you can find this information online. So if you want to Google it, research it yourself, you're more than welcome to. But years ago, years ago, when it came to marriage, back in the 1960s, so right after the nuclear family age of the, the mid-1900s of, of America, there was the sexual uh, revolution that was going on, you know, the, the mass hippie movement, uh, you know, 70s was more about, you know, free love and all this other kind of stuff. <clears throat> there were a lot of projections that marriage was going to take a serious hit. And on top of that, you had other things like Roe v. Wade came into play. So abortion became legalized. Uh, you know, women being able to abort their children, uh, you know, legally uh, in that case. I mean, uh, if you think about the implications of that, basically, years prior to that, if a man and woman got pregnant, the cultural pressure and also the cultural, culturally accepting thing to do would be to marry the person that you are pregnant with. So if guys end up knocking up somebody uh, or if they get their girlfriends pregnant, regardless of how old they were, you know, they could be 25, they could be 18 or 30, whatever, then you would marry that person because that would be the socially acceptable thing to do. In fact, you try to do it quickly because that way you could have children while you're married because that was the expectation because marriage was still viewed as this place where that's where you had children. You didn't just have children out of wedlock. You didn't just have children you know, for the sake of having kids because you wanted to have kids. That's what was expected of you. In fact, I can say personally, my own father, um, whom got married directly out of high school to his high school sweetheart, who is um, not my mom, it was from his first marriage, uh, they got married because she got pregnant. 
And so that was what was expected back in that time, is that if you got someone pregnant, then you should get married. You should find a way to get married so that you can, you know, I don't want to say cover this up, but it kind of was like that uh, is, <clears throat> would have been the, the thing to do. Now, because again, like I said, the 60s and 70s and the 80s just moving forward and, you know, like I said, Roe v. Wade having a huge impact on this, unfortunately, and then, uh, you know, the, the quote-unquote sexual revolution, many folks <laughs> were having of the opinion that the trends about marriage were going to decline, as in less people were going to get married, uh, more divorces were going to start happening because of you know, uh, eventually hookup culture was going to start coming around. Uh, you know, we've seen that even today in 2020, that hookup culture is still something that's, you know, prevalent. But uh, there was this idea that marriage was going to take a serious hit here in this country. And surprisingly, to my surprise anyway, and also to my much delight, uh, that was not the case. Marriage has actually been going on the rise. Uh, even though people are getting married later, uh, there's still good statistics on people who have made it to their 15th wedding anniversary, which is a big milestone if you think about it. 15 years is a long time to be married. Uh, I know I've been to a, a lot of weddings where, you know, they do like the countdown of, you know, who's been married the longest. If you've been married 20 years, you know, stay on the dance floor. If you've been married 25, you know, and I've seen people up there as long as 40 years, which is impressive. I mean, it's really, really impressive. And that should be a goal, honestly. I mean, if you're married, your goal should be to, to run the race all the way to the finish line. It shouldn't be like a, you know, three to four year thing that, that you're looking to get through. So, but, uh, but anyway, to me, that was, that was quite mind blowing. And I wanted like I said, as a storyteller, I wanted to talk about the story of marriage and just why is that narrative still so powerful? <clears throat> why is it that we still have this narrative of one and two and then divorce? And why won't it go away? Even if the stats are telling us otherwise. And it's not just about the stats either. Um, why is it that there's this kind of, you know, overhanging cloud of, you know, we're we're still getting divorces at an alarming rate. I mean, Hollywood's you know the, the the poster child for divorce these days, which is endless divorces, new marriages, new divorces. You know, why is it that we still kind of believe this lie that marriages are still doomed fifty percent of the time, and they're not seen on the on the flip side as being a possible real life romance that you are going to be romance that it's like the fairy tale stories, the Disney princes and princesses that we grew up on or or what's been shoved down our throat for years, that your romance should be this way. Well, there's a couple things I want to unpack in that. And I think probably the, the biggest thing to do is just talk about marriage first and then talk about the stories that we've created around them. So a couple things about marriage to put on the table first and foremost is that part of the reason why these narratives have emerged is that, well, for one, marriage is a commitment. It's not just a contract. <clears throat> So when we enter into marriage, there are witnesses there. Hopefully there's witnesses there. I mean, we still have public wedding ceremonies. Uh, people get to see and hold you accountable that you have been married. People get to recognize that you have been married to this person. It's not a contract you just sign in private. And, you know, I'm, I'm signing up for new insurance or I'm, I'm signing on the deal to my new car, right? It's not just a transaction that you are making. And the reason why it's not just a transaction is because there's another human on the other end of what it is that you are committing yourself to. And guess what? Human beings are messy and they're they're very broken individuals a lot of the time. You know, I think another myth that you can kind of run into this narrative war here is that somehow the person that you marry 
is going to be perfect. They're the perfect one for you. Okay, that's that's not true whatsoever. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they may have a lot of complementary strengths to your weaknesses, and you vice versa, uh, you know, and things like that. But the person you marry is not perfect. Neither are you. I mean, there's a great line from uh, Goodwill Hunting, which is one of my favorite movies with with Matt Damon, and Robin Williams, uh, and Robin Williams who plays a shrink in this film, which is he's just fantastic, and he's talking to Matt Damon. And he's talking about this new relationship that Damon is in. And he just says, look, uh, sport, the girl that you just met, she's not perfect. And neither are you. Okay, and you need to get over that. Um, and stop being so afraid of committing to this person. Because if you do commit, guess what? Here's the reality. When you commit to something, you're going to find all the dirt in that person. You're going to find the areas of them that are not so rounded. They're going to be sharp edges on that person. Because, again, people are messy. You're going to find out things that are you know, little nuances about them, little idiosyncrasies that are going to surprise you. I mean, my wife and I are going to be married six years, coming up this year. Uh, there are things I'm still going to learn about my wife as we go through marriage that I didn't know before. And I'm not just talking about like experiences that happened in her past, you know, things that happened to her or things she's going to find out about me that happened in my past. But rather, how do we respond to certain situations? What are, what are some of the, the characteristics of ourselves as we go forward through life? So that's one big thing is that it's a commitment. It's not just a contract. Okay, you're, it's, it's a lot of moving parts going on here. Secondly, marriage is not a privilege. And I, I was having this conversation with a, a close family member recently on this topic. And it really sparked some thoughts in my head about this idea that marriage in the West specifically is kind of seen as almost like a privilege or entitlement. And so, so let me talk about what I mean by that. When we think about what is privilege, privilege is basically nothing you had to work for. Marriage, I would say, is the complete opposite of that. Now, why would we say it's a privilege? Well, because of the fact that there's so much tied to marriage now. Like I was saying earlier, you know, discounts on health insurance and tax credits and all this other kind of jazz. There are so many things that the state and our government ties into marriage and becomes involved with and wants to be in the business of marriage that we almost look at it as such because it's like, well, if I get married, I get all of these other things, right? If I can get acknowledged as being married, then I can get all these other nice resources at my disposal. And that way, uh, you know, I can, whatever discount or whatever it is that I'm looking for, I can get. And to many, that would look like a privilege. It would be like, okay, well, you have a privilege now being in this country to get married because now you will be given some things that you didn't have before when you were single. But obviously, based upon everything that you know we've covered so far, and just this short amount of time about marriage, there's a lot to, to talk about, it's not a privilege. It clearly is not. You have to work at any marriage. If anybody tells you you don't have to work at your marriage, they're probably headed for a divorce. Okay, They're, they're probably headed down the path where they're going to become lax or too comfortable or the romance is going to be gone. You know, something is not going to happen. You know, the guy's not pursuing his wife properly. Um, you know, she becomes disinterested in him because he's disinterested. Uh, it's not a privilege. Okay, marriage is not a privilege or an entitlement. However, because of the narratives that are out there around marriage, such as find the one for you, though there's a perfect person for you that's out there. Okay, this kind of garbage makes it seem like it's a privilege and an entitlement. There's someone out there just for me. True, there probably is a certain someone out there for you. There's probably a lot of certain someones out there for you. But if you can commit to one 
and learn that person, help that person, which will lead into my next uh, next item, uh, then you're in the business of doing more than just having a contract. Uh, you're actually in a committed relationship with that person. So to my third point, because I didn't want to get too ahead of myself, marriage is about serving the other person. It's not just about your own interests. So divorce, why would it be something that happens when people get married? I mean, isn't it just, wouldn't it be common sense? Look, you, you said vows to each other. You promised you'd always be there for each other. So seven, eight years later, what changed? You know, what was it that changed? I mean, do we have short-term memory uh, when it comes to our marriage vows? I mean, are there things that just occur? That are, were there conditions that we placed on the other person prior to getting married that we didn't realize until they finally came out? Look, marriage, as, as tough as this is for some people to grasp and grapple with, it is not something about self-service. Okay, like I don't just get married so that I have status now and that I have you know, this person that I can sleep with legally, you know, like this, you know, this, this individual now, um, that I'm legally bound to. I mean, you are to serve the other person. I mean, me coming from a biblical worldview, one of the things that really rocked my wife and I, when we were going through premarital counseling is, uh, one of the, uh, sort of the elders at our church was talking about marriage and the arrangement of service and how each spouse, you know, each person in the relationship should be trying to outserve the other. What is it that I can do to make you more like the person God wants you to be? How can I help you achieve that? What are some, you know, what are my giftings to be applied to your giftings and help bring those out of you so that you can become, well, ultimately more like Christ? I mean, it, this just kind of blew our minds because, again, we were kind of buying a lot of other narratives about marriage, which was, you know, I'm getting married because I want to have kids or I'm getting married because you know, I'm tired of living on my own or not saying that these were the reasons why my wife and I were getting married, but there were some probably some, some things creeping around in the back of our minds that, that we had held on for years, that these were the reasons why people get married. You do it so you're not lonely anymore. You do it so you can share a bank account, you know, so there's two streams of income coming in, you know, so you have a little bit more cash flow going on. Look, those things are great. It's not the reason why you get married. Okay, because you're not just there to serve your own interests. You're there to serve the other person. Okay, this, again, big key to marriage. And then the last thing I wanted to say is that marriage is the foundation of any successful society. When you got husband, wife, you got kids at home, it's the foundational piece of any successful, any kind of secure community is when you have that arrangement. I mean, look, there's statistics on this. I... I didn't have time to pull it up for this, but there's statistics on this about how communities are safer. There's less crime when you have marriages where you have a man, woman, and you have kids, or you know, even if they don't have kids, you know, even if they haven't been blessed with children. Uh, when there are more people who are married in a community, let's just put it this way, when there are more men married in a community to women, they, they, have, uh, they have a spouse to go home to. They're not out, you know, gallivanting. They're not out causing debauchery, things like that. I think Brigham Young actually has a pretty humorous quote. Not that I totally support everything that Brigham Young has done, but but I, but he has a funny quote that says, any man unmarried beyond the age of 21 is a menace to the community. And I just think that's both hysterical and true to some regard because it's true. I mean, men need something to do. And one thing that they can do aside from just serve themselves and go out and cause a ruckus is get married and serve a woman. Okay, serve her. Okay, serve a family, you know, provide for a family, things like that. I mean, these are very, very basic fundamental things that our postmodern culture has somehow become tired with. 
and thinks, well, we can just kind of upend everything about marriage. We can upend everything about what it is and just create all these new definitions for it. And somehow uh, things are going to be better. Well, I, clearly that's not the case. Okay, clearly that is just not the case. So marriage is the foundation of any successful society. That's the last point about this, which is the reason why you see these two competing narratives because you see people seeking after the romance of marriage and why there's this other narrative about one and two ending in divorce because clearly there's a push and pull attention here where marriage is a good thing. Marriage is a really good thing. It's good for man. It's good for woman. Okay, man and woman are, are, are you know, they need each other. All right, there's this constant, you know, sort of like gender wars out there, like people who are like, you know, pro-woman or they're pro-man. It's like, well, look, look, guys, gals, we need each other, okay? We absolutely need each other to not just procreate, but we need each other in, in general so we can operate together, right? As, as male and female both, we, we, we just need each other, period. And because of that, we have this, this desire to be with each other. But because things don't always go our way, because we have different expectations, you start to see these two competing narratives out there. You know, one group of people gets it right or get it, get it very right, so they, they have sort of this fairy tale arrangement. And another group of people don't have it quite right. In fact, they've been through some really messy and broken relationships. And so they may give into that narrative of one and two in a divorce very quickly because it's like, look, that's what I went through. And it was messy and it was horrible. The person I was with was 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 terrible to me, whether it was a you know guy or gal. Uh, and I believe it. I believe that marriages end in divorce one out of two times because of the fact that I was through one and it was bad. Uh, but again, looking at the sort of the overarching stats on this, to me it was encouraging. It was encouraging to see that more people are staying together. There's more security, more more commitment happening than what we've been led to believe, uh, especially in this country. So again, I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to tell talk about the story that we're telling with marriage because again, marriage is something that uh, it forces us to be known, right? It, it forces us to know the other person and allows us to be known as well. I mean, one of the one of the biggest issues I think we're facing with my generation, well, but it's probably more so in the generation coming up, is the onset of social media and social media platforms. So, like social media models, personalities, uh, you know, women and men who just basically put themselves half naked all over the internet to gain followership. And that, that's a that's a big problem. Okay, like I always think to myself, how is this person going to navigate a real relationship someday when they have oodles and oodles of people? You know, just basically fawning over their images. I mean, you would think that the person that they're with would be like, yo, you know, you, you can't be having all this outside admiration, this public admiration when I'm I'm sort of the person in private that you're supposed to be caring for, right? I mean, it, I guess the, to me, that's just kind of the logical conclusion, but I, I'm sure people try and make that happen and that's their platform and whatever they're doing to make money. But I'm always questioning whether or not that is the right way to go because how are you ever going to be able to know somebody? And to me, it's really sad too because if you take it one step further, I guess I didn't want to go there right away. I wanted to kind of ease into this. If you go one step further into the area uh, of porn, for instance, porn is incredibly destructive. It's super destructive, not only just to, to relationships, but to individuals. I mean, higher anxiety, higher depression, uh, just... I mean, if you were to look from the outside in, 
at the porn industry and the actors and actresses that are in the industry. I mean, suicides, uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. I mean, it's it's crazy how destructive pornography is. I mean, I got into kind of a social media spat once with a guy who was trying to talk about how pornography was good for young people because apparently it allowed them to experiment on their own time and not have to worry about offending somebody else, but the, their experimentation. I mean, I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Clearly, you've never actually interacted with people in a romantic sense if that's what you think is true. And I was, I tried to be as cordial about that as possible. You know, in social media, it's not always the easiest thing to do. But but that's another lie that we believe is that somehow I'm not hurting anybody else. I'm just watching it. It's, it's not going to affect my future marriage. Oh, it totally does. It completely does. It's a ripple effect. So marriage, again, because of these two narratives... Because of these two narratives that exist, this one and two in divorce and then the real life fairy tale, we're going to have a lot of broken messiness in between. But ultimately, you know, I, I'm encouraged by the idea that, that marriages are lasting longer, that, that hopefully people are, are uh, staying committed. They're not just treating it like a contract and they're trying to serve the other person that they're with. So lots more on that, but I want to end there. I want to bring this in for a landing uh, before I get too preachy. Uh, there's so much I, wa- I would want to get into with the concept of marriage, but I'm going to leave it at that for now. So hope you guys enjoyed this. Leave me some feedback. Give me some comments on this one since I, I'm sure this is probably one that you know, I think a lot of my listeners are probably like, dude, this is a storytelling podcast. Marriage is such a big topic. Why did you do it? But uh, again, I'd be curious for your feedback regardless. So thanks for listening in, guys. Uh, this is Josh A. Felter for The Writer's Lens. I'll be back with you guys again soon.